Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Rob Has a Podcast. I am Rob Sesternino, and I have a, a very special treat for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be talking with a man. We did a podcast with him back in November. I think it went very well. He is an authority on all things uh, in the worlds of uh, sports, probability, pop culture, reality TV. And he is the author of the book, How Fantasy Sports Explains the World, uh, Mr. AJ Mass from ESPN. Hey, Rob, what's going on? Hey, AJ, very happy to be talking to you. Happy to be here, and uh, I'm also a snappy dresser, I've been told. <laughs> very, very snappy dresser. And uh, the man who brought Mr. Met back from the dead. Indeed, indeed. Uh, no CPR involved, I, but uh, yeah, I was Mr. Met from uh, 1994 to 1997, uh, uh, the lean years, uh, and we're, we're back in the lean years again. There was a window yes. there, and I yes. missed it completely. <laughs> uh, did you happen to get, do you watch 30 Rock? Uh, occasionally, not too often. I watched the episode from last week, uh, last night. I'm a week behind, but uh, Mr. Met having getting a lot of screen time on 30 Rock. Did you know, back in the day, there was like an outside possibility that I was going to be on an episode of Mad About You. Uh, and they had actually written an episode where uh, the Buckmans were trying to get their, their new baby to sleep, and the only thing that would end up getting uh, the child to sleep was seeing Mr. Met. But uh, unfortunately, the kibosh was put on that appearance by uh, Met's management at the time, so uh, no sad card for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what else works really good to help put your kids to sleep? Uh, what's that? An episode of Mad About You. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> by the way, AJ, is, is it true? Uh, is... How Fantasy Sports Explains the World available for Kindle now on Amazon? It is available oh. for Kindle on Amazon. And I believe there's a certain spot on uh, Rob Has a Website where you can <laughs> click. Yes. Well, we are uh, Amazon affiliates. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, check out AJ's book uh, through Amazon. Go through Rob Has a Website. We're an affiliate. Uh, AJ's happy that uh, you're reading his book. You'll be happy. It's it's a it's a win 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 for everybody. Yeah, involved. the product placement we're doing here is not not nearly as subtle as on on uh, reality television. <laughs> <laughs> no, not nearly. All right, so AJ, a, a lot going on in the world of reality TV. I know you're a big Survivor fan, big Celebrity Apprentice fan, and you know the thing, the underlying theme on both of these shows right now is how it's uh, men versus women. And uh, right now, the women are not doing so hot on either of these shows. And I was sort of thinking about this in terms of, uh, you know, I read your book back in the fall. And uh, you said that the optimal way that a fantasy league is created is that you want to have lots of different types of characters. And if you have all the same sort of grouping, it's not going to work. And I'm feeling like maybe this is uh, to explain on some of the struggles that we've seen for the women uh, through the Survivor and Celebrity Apprentice in uh, the last week and a half. Yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. I mean, on on you know the Apprentice side of things, I mean that's how Trump's done it since they started the celebrity thing. You know, they he tends to just, oh, I'm going to go back and men versus women. I found it works best. It doesn't really work best, but you know he he he's lazy and he hasn't come up with a better idea. So. <laughs> So in that sense, the groupings uh, seem a bit, you know, lazy on his part. But, you know, yeah, if if, if everybody is, is coming at it from uh, the same perspective or, or, or a lot of them from similar perspectives, it, it tends to uh, not foster this, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is people of different backgrounds come together. If you get these little, you know, pockets of uh, 
you know, uh, good-looking young girls, you know, who form an immediate alliance simply based on the fact that, wow, she's a young girl, I'm a young girl, I don't want to be with the old, the old woman over there. It kind of, you know, defeats the purpose of getting to know you and, and, and those initial uh, forays into uh, exploration of personalities. Yeah, I feel like so far, whereas we've seen, I feel like it's like it never works out well for the women on Apprentice. I feel like more often than not, you have the, and maybe that's just because uh, it's not a reflection on women as a whole, but just on the type of women that are on the Celebrity Apprentice. And it feels like the men are usually a well-oiled machine. But on Survivor, uh, the women have, have done okay in the challenges against the men. But it also, just even going back to my season, which was men versus women, the women never, the group of women never really had their act together. Yeah, I, I think part of the, issue is 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 uh you know on survivor especially you're talking about because it's men versus women the types of challenges that they have to do they can't really do strength challenges because that would just be unfair if they did a strength challenge so it's all these you know teamwork and cooperation balance and you know puzzles and blindfolded but we really have to work together and i think it just takes longer for women to build that kind of trust to be able to work together and i think it it kind of puts them at a, at a disadvantage anyway just simply because of, of the nature of, of of these women not being able to come together as quickly as the men who were able to just put aside everything like all right we got to win we're competitive we'll just do it you know kind of thing well not to put you on the spot here in this big uh, sociological discussion that we're having but do you think that the a group of men is able to work together better because it, it, there are many times in you know, in real life, you're in a fantasy league with all guys. You might be on a sports team with all guys. And for m- most women, they don't have a lot of settings where they're dealing in a, in a group sort of setting uh, with just women. I, you know, I don't think I don't think it's it's, uh, you know, an automatic. Oh, women can't do it. I just know they it take, I just think it takes them longer mm-hmm. to build up the kind of trust. I think men, uh, you know, we don't overthink things and overanalyze things. And we're much more superficial. So, you know. It's it's more of a just you know you can go into a, you can go into a, a bar somewhere a sports bar and not know anybody and the game's on and immediately you can talk sports and and, and develop bonds and, and and work from there. Whereas I don't think I don't think generally speaking women are are are, are normally doing that sort of thing. It, it takes them longer to get them. They, I want to know the person. I want to know I can trust the person. Whereas men are like, eh, what are oh, he, says, he he likes the same team as me. Okay, we're cool. <laughs> we don't look any deeper than that. We're very shallow. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't yeah. mean poverty shallow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Miss Survivor. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that maybe men in these men versus women competitions have a little bit of an advantage uh, working together from the get-go. Um, I think this is uh, maybe sort of like they'd have to probably play out, what, maybe a hundred more seasons of men versus women on Survivor and Celebrity Apprentice before we can make any uh, solid conclusions. Yeah, I, I think I think we're we're dealing with a very small sample size. <laughs> small sample size. Okay. Uh, so, well, what are you making of uh, these women on this new Survivor season? That it, it's been it's been kind of a, a debacle so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you can chalk up the first the first loss to just bad luck. I, I yeah. think. I mean, you know, <laughs> anyone could have fallen and shattered their wrist in fifty seven places. I mean, <laughs> that's true. So that 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 what I don't necessarily think you you can put a blame on anyone. Of course, then once you're shorthanded, uh, you know, it it sort of kind of feeds on itself. Uh, yeah. Again, I don't I don't necessarily think that it's the women as a whole who are are uh, struggling and, and unable to put it together. It's it's just this inability to put someone with brain uh, at the front of the line 
<laughs> right. And ha- and having uh, having cat fallen into the into the water fifty three times, and you know when you're, it's a timed challenge that's got to come back and bite you. Yeah. What did you make of the decision to keep cat over uh, getting rid of Ni- or instead of getting rid of Nina in that uh, spot right there? I, well, I think I think you really in that case you had Chelsea and Kim being the the, the swing vote as it were, because if they, if they had decided to, to jump ship there with the alliance that was formed in the first five minutes of walking, uh, then, you know, they, they would have, they would have taken cat out. I, I don't think either way it, it matters for the long-term of, of prospects of the group. I, I think Nina was probably the better candidate to keep because she seemed to have her head together. She seemed to be a hard worker and, and, you know, willing to, to, to work hard. But I, I just think, you know, this this blind loyalty, and maybe you could speak to this since you were on the show, but mm-hmm. I, I, this blind loyalty to an alliance that's existed for such a short period of time, it's like, you don't owe these people anything. <laughs> at that's this point, true. <laughs> at this point, yeah, I can understand at the merge, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're thinking about, you know, being Cochran and, and flipping last season, for example, I could see where the, the, there's a li- little bit more of a track record there. But, you know, okay, we agreed. Yeah, let's all five of us stick together. Okay. Oh, uh yeah we don't really like cat but she's in our alliance oh gosh well we have to be loyal i mean that that to me that that kind of thinking makes no sense to me whatsoever so uh, you know uh, you know why not cut cut bait if you really think she's a weak link uh you've already down two people uh you know do you really want to you know have her screw up another challenge you don't really have the time i think to 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 devote to redeeming her well, they built this alliance in the first five minutes of the game, and now they're, they're really locked in here. I mean, they could have gotten rid of Cat and still been up in, in the numbers, uh, right? Uh, or it was, no, there's eight people left. So it would have been, uh, yeah, if they would have lost Cat, then they would have been down to uh, four and four. Is that right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, feel- it, yeah, it would have been, been four, four, but it also would have been, it would have been, a, you, know, uh, you know, a flip at that point. You, you know, that, there would have been a rift in that in that remaining four alliance anyway, mm-hmm. unless they yeah. had done, you know, somehow managed to do it unanimously, but you know, that, that's yeah. what happened. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, it was one of these situations where, uh, you know, nine's a good number to start, I think, because it, it automatically forces you to kind of develop a swing vote person. And it kind of just fell by the wayside as a result of, of, you know, Courtney, uh, breaking her wrist and being on the, on the, on the, the four, Versus the, you know, if she had been in the member of the five, and and then you know we would have been at least been even, and you know maybe it would have been more interesting. It it, it wasn't uh, anything that happened as a result of strategy. It just it was fate, and I think it kind of deemed uh, doomed Nina to to being eliminated probably a few weeks too early. Uh, you know, I I, I don't know about Nina being uh, going too early. I just think she was lacking sort of like the ability to get along well enough uh, with these group of women. I think like the biggest rule of being a successful survivor is just to be well-liked within the tribe. And I think that she had a hard time getting that part down. Like she seemed, you know, uh, a little abrasive with some of the, I'm sure she's a very nice woman in in real life. I spoke to her yesterday, but I just don't think she ever uh, got the making friends part of the game down. No, I, I I meant from her point of view, the the, oh. the, the few weeks early, like you know, uh, obviously no one wants to go home, <laughs> right, <laughs> before the end. But I I think she could have lasted a few more weeks had had it been four four, because then at least she would have felt a little more comfortable with with you know the three people that she was with, you know, had had, had there been a, a 
you know, natural four, four split there that, you know, maybe they could then, you know, you know, cat cost is a challenge, you know, that, you know, then maybe you could go that way. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, the numbers were already against her. Now you add on top of that, you know, the fact that she was probably a little bit of a sourpuss or a bag of rocks or, <laughs> right. And you know, that now, you know, now you got two strikes against you. All it takes is, is, you know, an impassioned plea from cat that she promises to change and, you know, you're, you're toast. Yeah. Is there any sort of analogy that you can make between uh, anything that happens in the world of sports or fantasy sports where you are keeping somebody uh, who is just well-liked over somebody who is the better performer? I th- well, I think this is the time of year when you certainly get that kind of thing. It's spring training, and you get these players who are, like, you know, uh, Minnesota Twins, for example, like uh, uh, Justin Morneau, mm-hmm. uh, first baseman for the Minnesota Twins, who's probably... Uh, you know, if he can make it to the season, it'll be his last season. He's had some really bizarre injuries over the last year and uh, post-concussion syndrome that has just lingered on and on. And he gave a press conference yesterday where, like, he was almost in tears, where it was just like, you know, uh, it's been torture the last year, and I don't know if I can really even play this season. But because, you know, the team has such loyalty to him, they're certainly going to give him the chance to win the job. And they, they might, you know, even if he's not perhaps the best, case scenario for their success this year he's kind of earned it uh through you know years of service so of course they're going to give him the first shot and maybe you know maybe it would be wise to just say you know what uh why don't you just you know retire (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know if he wants to play they'll let him play and i I think you do get that kind of deference to the veteran over a young player uh in most cases and give them that one last shot you know uh, just as a reward for for a job well done in the past Uh, yeah i i Definitely, uh, I think that's that's a good analogy. Although I don't know if uh, <laughs> we're, we're rewarding Cat for a job well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, although you know, no, I, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's part of the alliance, uh, the the majority alliance of the women, anyway. So they they want to keep the numbers, and you know, uh, to to map this, it's a little too early to completely map the season onto my twelve personalities. But I mean, uh, you know, idiot savant. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, emphasis on the first part. But, uh, you know, but she, you know, she clearly, if she can survive that and all they have to do is like win a challenge and, and, and you know, then, you know, maybe there's some sort of shuffle or something. She could very well ride, ride her way all the way to the final three because yes, you know she's not winning. Yeah, she's the female Fabio, and nobody at th- that point is like, okay, yeah, right, Fabio's going to win. But then all of a sudden, just like you said, idiot savant, at any point, would it, would it really, uh, would you have a, a coronary if she won the last two immunity challenges? Like, uh, it could happen. Certainly, and, and that's, that's, you know, and, and, you know, when you get to the, you know, down to that, we're way, way ahead of ourselves, but you get down to five or six people left, and it really becomes whoever's, like, the the alpha personality at that point can really decide do i go with the uh you know do i go with the uh idiot savant and and maybe you know the the fresh meat that i've dragged along and just say i outplayed both of you because look at them you know slam dunk victory or you know it's kind of the coach decision from last year do i you know do i take edna with me do i take cochran do i take brandon do i take these people with me and and try and ride that route or do i take the stronger people and just you know the three of us we had the alliance from the get-go so Mm -hmm. it's really an a or b and either one is a valid choice and both can you know yield success 
Yeah, I mean, that's really where sports and fantasy sports and reality TV all sort of merge together, where you could have somebody like a Fabio or somebody like your New York Giants or the St. Louis Cardinals, where it's somebody that, you know, a team or a person who, you know... you know, seventy-five percent of the way through, you said, "Okay, this this has uh, this person has no chance. This team has no chance," and they just get hot at the right time. Right, got hot at the right time, and it's all about matchups. It's like it's yeah. really it's comparing you versus the other people, and which which one gives gives the survivor the better chance to go further. In many cases, it's a loyal person who may not be a threat to your mm-hmm. strategy. You know, so, you know someone who's going to tag along, and and that you know fits cat to a T. I mean, it's, it's a reason to keep her around longer. I mean, you know, we're way early on that in that regard, but I can see the longer she sticks around, the harder it is going to be to get rid of her. Yeah. Now, what about the men? We've spent a lot of time talking about the women uh, through this conversation. How, how about the men? Anybody uh, jumping out to you? Well, it's really hard because we, because the women have lost, right. you know, and we always spend more time with the people who have lost. And, you know, I don't really know much about the men. I mean, I know that Matt's a narcissist and, and in love with himself, uh, <laughs> that much I figured out. I haven't really gotten a grasp on Michael or Jonas or Jay quite yet. I, I don't really know where any of they, them stand. I mean, uh, Leaf seems to have a, 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 a good head on his shoulders and a grasp of the game. But mm-hmm. again, we haven't really seen him interact too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, Colton's the one that we've spent the most time right. with, um, and certainly, uh, you know, in my in my uh, twelve personalities, he's the X factor. He's the one who stands out. He's different, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the point where he's saying, "I'm different," you know. So uh, he's he's the one we spend the most time with, and I I haven't yet put my finger on whether he's a a, a brilliant, cunning mastermind or just a complete loon. Yeah, uh, I really I mean... haven't haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> I. Don't think we have enough information to think that, you know, he's uh, Kaiser Soze and this is all part of some master plan that's being orchestrated. It really seems like he is, you know, flying by the seat of his pants here. And, you know, every crisis that comes up is just that, you know, a crisis that's, you know, being, uh, you know, very very uh dramatic in every sort of you know with uh this drama with the women that they don't want to hang out with him this drama with the men he can't get along with them you know i I don't think this bodes well for his long-term success in the game it doesn't and like you know i think he jumped the gun on the sharing of the information that i have the the idol it's Mm -hmm. like you know that's a great that's great if you actually think you're going to be you know eliminated sometimes you don't even have to play it in that situation just say right. hey i have it and you can get away with that for a few weeks because See, i think or, or i think with the um, hidden immunity idol i think it's okay to show people the hidden immunity idol and russell was really the master of leveraging the hidden immunity idol to you know get in a better position in the game but i think the key to that is doing it one-on-one i think when you show people in a group setting you sort of are giving a your you know tacit approval to speak about this when i'm not around because yeah. you know about it you know about it you know about it and then now you guys are having conversations and i feel like that's where the information is starting to get a little uh leaky whereas if i'm showing you like hey aj look look i just want to show you i'm not telling anybody else i just want to let you this is just between me and you and now we're building a bond and now i could go to the next person and say hey look i just want to show you this i didn't show anybody else don't say anything and now everybody is like oh well i trust rob he showed me the idol right right and that, that's that's great but you also i don't think you should do it because he's coming from a position of, of like 
bottom, you know, low man on the totem pole, clearly. I mean, you know, when you got eight <laughs> people working and he's off with the women, clearly he's low man on the, he's put himself there. Yes. Yeah, he's on ninth. So, I mean, he, he should at least wait until they lose a challenge. Try and make inroads. Do do something to try and, you know, so where, where you're not like using this as, you know, hey, I, here's all my cards on the table. You know, try and at least try and have something, an ace in the hole somehow. Yeah. I, I, just th- I just think until they lost uh, an immunity challenge there was no need for anyone else to know yeah i, I just don't think that's in colton's personality that uh, yeah, he's hiding anything he's right. he's I, he's an open book yeah and that you know and that like i said i have that's why i haven't figured out if he's a, a brilliant mastermind or just a complete maroon <laughs> <laughs> yeah now this is something interesting that came out of the episode the other night what did you make of the do-it-yourself challenge where Basically, we get Survivor the home game, where the two tribes have to hold their own Survivor challenge. Well, on the one hand, I liked I liked the concept of of going in and saying here 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 are uh, like you know you know if they had given them like you know a bow and arrow and a target <laughs> and, and said okay guys come up with your own rules. And, and do the challenge. I would have mm-hmm. liked that. That I think I would I would have liked a lot better for for them to actually just go. Hey guys, here's uh, here's some ropes. Untangle them, and the first team to do it wins. I, I think at that point you might as well just have Jeff there. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's it was pointless for us to watch it. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, without without you know Jeff harassing <laughs> as he does right. and, and poking at people. I just I just. I think conceptually, I like the concept, but I don't think they 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 pulled it off in, yeah, in I, any way, shape, or form. I just feel like we, we still have not gotten a good explanation of what was what was going on there. Is Jeff Probst uh, just getting a day off, or is you know I, I read an interview where Jeff said, "Well, we were trying something new. We thought this would be an interesting thing to have them have to work together." So that makes it sound like he was like almost like. He was there, but he wasn't part of, you know, they just decided to not have him on camera for that. So I don't know. I think you need a, I don't think it worked without having a, a host for the challenge. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, I watch Big Brother and yes. and every challenge is pretty much that, that, you know, every single challenge is, okay, guys, we're going to have the competition now. Come on out. <laughs> and I'm the host. Da-da. So, I mean, it, it, it can work. Um so you know, and I, I I don't mind the fact that you have to force these tribes who are living together. It's less contrived to me than than if they were you know showing up at a, at a site and all of a sudden like oh no no one else is here. I guess we better go. You know, hey, we deliver this to you guys. Do this challenge. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to see it for you know with immunity on on the line, but for for a reward, that, mm-hmm. that, I think it's okay. But I'd rather that they also have to come up with the rules because I think that would. Give give a little more conflict, and they not only would they have to agree on you know who won, but they'd have to agree on what what mean what does it mean to win, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that could provide some some interesting conflict. But if they're just gonna like you know give them a, you know a, a hacky sack and say okay first to keep up in the air for fifteen minutes wins, I, like I, I don't want to see that. Yeah. In uh, Big Brother, and you make a good point. That is how they do it on Big Brother. I just get the feeling on Big Brother. Well. One, it's sort of like, okay, who wants to host the veto competition? Okay, and now somebody is the host for that whole competition. And then that person is sort of talking about what's going on. And then it's also, they cut back to people in the diary room during Big Brother. So, you know, they have this competition 
and then uh okay competition starts and then uh okay here we go and then they cut back to rachel in the diary room oh my god this competition was like so intense and then you cut back to jeff like you know when the competition started i thought that the best way to go but you know we don't we didn't get any of that on survivor where we're not cutting back to it's almost like on big brother they're narrating it themselves from the first person of here's what i was thinking during the challenge but it just seemed very odd that well we did it that way yeah i'm I'm with you i'm with you yeah they they didn't have enough of the of the like i said the what was going on like you couldn't see what was happening you didn't you didn't get a feel for it 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 was kind of like okay when will this be over just get to the end please just tell me who won (laughs) because i don't care um yeah i i I mean you need jeff it's it's not you know, if someone had, if you know, they had to sit someone out. So if the person they sat out had like just gone out there and go, guys, with a big lead, you know, that, yeah. that at least men you know, looking good. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be Jeff doing that because we, right. would, you know, we might not even have noticed. <laughs> you need a guy. It's like having a, like, it's like if the umpires don't show up for the baseball game one day. It's like, okay, well, you guys just figure it out, you know, call the balls and strikes yourselves. What if this would have been a photo finish? Right. Oh, I was thinking that. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. That, like, oh, I, I hope they don't have to decide who, who, who won, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think you're going to get agreement on that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going, what's going on. And I mean, even on The Apprentice, you know, uh, when Donald isn't there, you know, he has, you know, whether it was George or Donald Jr. or Ivanka to be his eyes and ears. I think Jeff needs a, a deputy to go out there and host these challenges when he's not there. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want you to get into a Seacrest Dunkelman situation. Where, yeah. <laughs> either where we're split, you know, you know, Jeff, Jeff is the is the, is the host. Jeff, Jeff. I don't think, not that the show couldn't survive without him, but he's he's such a, a fixture that, it, but you know, without him, it would be a completely different show at this point. Right. Much like Project Runway doesn't work without Tim Gunn as the mentor. It's like when when you've become that iconic, you just you just have to be there. And and yeah, it's it, if they want to try it, great. But I hope they don't try it again. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm I hear sure what you're saying. This season, but yes, Jeff is Jeff is great and brings uh, so much to the table. But either be the host of the show or don't be the host of the show. If you're the host of the show, you gotta come. You gotta come to all the challenges. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like I said, we, you know, it, they tried it. Okay, great. It's not the first time they've done it. Uh, yeah, you know. But I, yeah, I hope it doesn't become a habit. We we hope so. All right. Well, what about on the uh, Celebrity Apprentice uh, through one week? We saw the departure of uh, Cheryl Teagues, who I was happy to see go because she was not bringing much to the table. I never understand why we're going to have a former supermodel on. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, this person was fam- the one thing this person was famous for was being ridiculously attractive, and they no longer have that. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm at saying? Least, at least the name still has some, like you know. I guess so. I know who she is. It's, it's it's not like you know. It was like, ah, Diana Mendoza. Like, uh, okay, who? Oh, Miss Universe. Oh, okay, Miss Universe. You know, like you know, at least now I, I at least recognize the title, if not the person. So, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the formerly aesthetically pleasing person with the bigger name, or the currently aesthetically pleasing person that you've never heard of? Oh, I don't care as long as they're as long as they're interesting. And okay. Cheryl Teagues was not interesting, so no. I, that was the most important. Plus, she didn't want to be there. She didn't quite understand the concept. I mean, anyone who's going to say, eh, "I don't know if this is right for me," it's like you couldn't have figured that out about a month ago when the agent called you. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> like, mercy killing. It was. It was. Uh, you know, it's 
it's it's sad when you get the the people who seem to not really understand why they're there and and don't seem to understand why everyone hates them and i'm like well you're on a reality show i mean mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that they hate you but someone's got to go so don't take it personal yeah do you have any favorites of the celebrity apprentice cast uh from the get-go well i mean heading in flying blind i i, I knew i'd be rooting for uh d snyder Mm-hmm. And and, and uh, George Takei, Takai. I, Takei. I always thought it was. I always thought it was Takai, but apparently it's Takei. Who knew? Yes. Uh, well, he famously said in the William Shatner roast that it's Takei, as in to pay. Ah, very nice. <laughs> very good, George Takei. Stunned. Uh, yeah, no. I, I oh mean, I, I, I'm rooting for them because they're fun, they're fun people. I, I I think that that's who I'm rooting for uh, on on the men's side. Uh, I was hoping to be ready for Debbie Gibson just because uh, she was part of my electric youth. Uh, <laughs> well done. I was definitely, I was definitely Deb- Debbie Gibson over Tiffany at the time. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, she doesn't, you know, if she's going to sing every week and just want to sing, it's like, then she might yeah. as well be a Kristen Wiig character. <laughs> oh, don't make me sing. You're making me sing. Oh, please don't make me sing. All right, here we go. Stop it. You know, I, yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be a recurring theme. Yeah, I think you take a shot every time you hear uh, Only in My Dreams this season on Celebrity Apprentice. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny on Celebrity Apprentice that there's always the go-to things, and sometimes these people are famous for, you know, a lot of them are, you know, has-beens, and I use that very, uh, as of somebody who was on a, you know, a reality show nine <laughs> years ago, I, I, I'm allowed to use that term. Uh, but, you know, they always want to go back to their uh their one thing whereas uh you know okay oh i could sing my song that would be that would be perfect right yes. yeah. my singular song <laughs> my singular my singular song even though we're selling deli sandwiches it really has no place uh in that um you know and this always comes up with you know you have like uh who was it was it lennox lewis was on a couple of years ago it's like oh we could have lennox lewis in boxing out, out yes. front yeah yes. <laughs> You know, well, just... I, I think this is this is both the appeal of the show and it's and its fatal flaw at the same time is is the fact that I I would love I loved the show when it first came out. And it was just regular people mm-hmm. uh, and it was and it really was just like, all right, here are some tasks. Do them. It was fun. And it was fun. It was it was different. And even the Martha Stewart uh, spinoff, which didn't have anybody famous on it at the time, although Bethany from Real Housewives of New York was on that show and, and Oh really? And, yeah, she was she was on the Martha Stewart apprentice. Who knew? She was the runner up on that, yeah. You did. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh she uh she, you know, she wasn't famous at the time, but you know, she pretty much parlayed that business sense into her, her current uh status. But yeah, even then it was like, okay, do this task. It's a weird task. We're either going to judge you on it or it's whoever raises the most money at the task. When it comes to who's got the biggest Rolodex, I'm not interested. Right. I, I just I think it's it's ridiculous. It's unfair. Uh, and there's no way to gauge it as, as, as an audience member. You know, you're sitting there watching it and it's, you know, it's like, OK, uh, we got to create these sandwiches. OK, who has a better sandwich? It doesn't matter because I'm going to call my friends and they're going to bring in $300,000. Like, right. OK, right. well, Okay, that that to me ruins it a, a little bit, as for, especially because you get you know then you get Trump in there, and he's going to say, "All right, well I have to fire someone from the women's team because you lost." With that amount of money raised, they didn't lose. Mm-hmm. In That's my, true. you know, they didn't, yeah. they didn't, they didn't lose. They just didn't have the one guy come in with the three hundred thousand dollars check. It, it was yeah. 
That, I mean, that's... everything from the episode was like the women had a much better operation running the whole day. Yeah, and and if it, and and if that was the case, then they probably would have won in in a real world kind of reality show challenge where they didn't call in donors and, and, and everything. And I understand you're trying to raise money for charity and it's great to have the celebrities, you know, Wyclef showing up is certainly much more interesting than, you know, guy from Jamaica Queens showing up to buy a $5 sandwich. I get that, but it, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not fair for the viewer. Cause we can't tell who's winning at right. all. Uh, okay. it, it's, it's, kind of a bait and switch almost and and quite frankly it's not fair to the to the charities yeah at all uh, i mean because you know if i'm wyclef and wyclef seemed genuinely moved by the charity he was donating to right and he was like you know he was like i really want to give this money to to your foundation patricia and and great and i uh, i'm all for it congratulations your money's going to the other guy's charity i could not, not agree more charity yeah but i think i think it's unfair to the people i Yes, you want, you want to say, well, you know, that's not how we do it. We don't give to both charities. There's a risk involved. Then at least give half of mm-hmm. the losing amount to that charity. Yeah. I, I think I, just, just, just to make it seem, seem fair to the people involved. I don't know why people would continue to go on the show and donate when their money's going to other charities yeah. that they might not believe in. That's, that's just, that's just my, my take on that. Rant over. Yeah. AJ, <laughs> you are the uh... – I think you should be uh, – I'm going to endorse you for the uh, National Fairness Commissioner in all things in fantasy sports and in reality television. Now, do you th- – I would like to propose a bill to you. Would you like to see Celebrity Apprentice uh, – if we're going to keep that – okay, you can call your celebrity friends. Would you like to see donations capped, much like uh, you can't donate more than $2,400 to a political candidate – would you like to see the uh, maybe a five thousand dollar limit on celebrity contributions? Well, I would like to see a, a limit in terms of the task itself. If the task is let's set a price point for these these sandwiches, because that's always that's always Trump's thing. Well, what what price point did you set it at? Oh, well, you know, yeah, you, you didn't. Uh, so if the price point is ten dollars per sandwich. Then you know, yeah, put a little escalator clause. If you bring in a celebrity person, they can give up to up to you know ten times that amount. You know, so that'll encourage you to to still get the celebrities in. But a hundred is not unsurmountable uh, for the other team. You know, if you if, if you're selling ten dollars and ten dollars, you go on the street. You know, we don't we've used our Rolodex. We don't have enough people to come in. Like, okay, we're just going to keep sell as many of these tens as we can. The yeah. Other team, the other team goes. Uh, oh, we only sold one sandwich, but it was a big sandwich. It was a seventeen thousand dollars. You know, it's like, all right. Yeah. It's, it's just... Why even go to the deli? Why not just open a phone bank and just be <laughs> calling people all day and exactly. uh, you know get some Subway <laughs> in I there? Mean, at least, at least they, they over the years they've changed it so you actually have to be there. <laughs> yeah. It used to be like, oh, we got a phone call. Yeah. My well, donor in England is sending over a wire transfer for a million dollars. It's like we win. Like, yeah, it's it's just silly. It's not even it's not even a game. And and we haven't even gotten to the point. Of the, the 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 biggest flaw of the show is that it's still Trump's whim as to who gets fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So on Survivor, you know that you you can see the uh, the interactions of the tribe. You kind of get a feel for, you know, like, okay, this is where the tribe is headed. I can try to convince these people. In the end, the tribe decides who goes. You know, on Big Brother, it's, it's the house that decides who goes. It's, it's an internal thing. Here, it's like, okay, who are you going to bring back with you? And I'm going to tell you right now, 
if you don't bring back her, I'm probably going to fire you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll bring her her back because you said so. You know, if I were you, I would have stood up for myself and not just listened to me. You're fired. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. I do think as a viewer, though, I think more often than not, Trump has my best, uh, you know, what is best for me in his, like, I kind of think that the producers are in his ear a little bit. You know, they always say that that's not the case. But, you know, when you have Cindy Lauper and Gary Busey get so far into these seasons, it's all good for me as the viewer. So I, I don't have a problem with it. It, well, yes, I, I agree that, that the crazies who stick around longer are more interesting for us. And I'm sure Trump doesn't fire those people directly or, because of that. He it's, loved LaToya so much last season. Right. It's it's still whim-based. It's still completely <laughs> yes. whim-based. I mean, you get, you know, you get the only time on Survivor where it, it becomes, you know, that kind of whim-based is, of course, the final tribal when basically they give it to whoever they want for whatever reason they want. The million dollars, you know, if, if you're going to be, hey, pick a number between one and ten and whoever gets closest. OK, Greg, that's fine. But that's, you know, that's you. That's your prerogative. We've said for whatever reason. But, you know, it's win basin and odds are you figured out which buttons to press at that point. If you haven't, you don't deserve to win. Mm-hmm. You know, in The Apprentice, he could tell you flat out, OK, I'm going to base my decision on three things. Who who did the best reception from the audience? Who raised the most money? And who put on the best show? Okay, Annie Duke, you raised the most money. You put on the best show. Joan, you're the winner. Yeah. <laughs> I like you better. Like, oh, come on. It's yeah. Like you, can't set up, you can't set up benchmarks, have them reach every benchmark, and just, just decide, I want this person to win. And, and that's why, that's why I, I hate The Apprentice as it gets down to the final four, because at that point it's just whoever trump likes best yeah and you can already tell if he he doesn't like certain people there's like tia carrera might as well just go home now yeah <laughs> might as well just go home now he does not like denied her. yeah you know it's like and he he wouldn't have said that to someone else necessarily like uh, i think that's pretty stupid in fact you're fired <laughs> yeah well Cheryl, you know with cheryl teagues he really was falling all over himself to fire like cheryl I think you're an amazing person. You're one of the greatest models of all time. I've always respected your work. Ivanka had a poster of you that she looked at every day between 1991 and 2001. It kills me to do this. You're fired. Okay, get out of here. I love you. You're great. You're the best. <laughs> you know. Well, and on top of that, on top of that, he tur- he turns. I forget which which of his kids he turned to. He goes, she didn't quit. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, wait. She didn't quit. I don't think I belong here. Technically, mm-hmm. she didn't quit, but uh, she quit. <laughs> yeah. I doubt when we get to Tia Carrera, but Tia, I loved you in Wayne's World. Wayne's World 2, phenomenal. I don't know what you've been doing since then, but I, I, I'm so happy to see you back. I'm sorry. It kills me. <laughs> it says here on this card that you won a Grammy. I have no idea how that's possible, but... Hey, hey how is that possible? Says it's true. I, I don't know. <laughs> what, <laughs> what did she sing? Uh, and which Grammy was it? It's It's... I don't know. Let's check our Google real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, she won a Grammy for, for her third album, Ikena. Oh, is it like a foreign best language? Hawaii, best Hawaiian music album. Oh, come on now. That's a Grammy? Best Hawaiian album? Best Hawaiian music album. Really? She's uh, a Grammy winner. Uh, now, is this like when you win an Oscar, but it's a technical Oscar and not during the actual show? 
I, I, I probably yes. I, I I don't I don't recall her being uh, called up on stage uh, with the shots of all the other great Hawaiian music artists in the crowd <laughs> looking disappointed because they didn't win. So yeah, I, I, I would say uh, probably not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Tia Carrera. Not long for this world, I wouldn't imagine. It's Tia Carrera. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, some of these other people, I'm worried that this season of Celebrity Apprentice, we don't have enough crazy there. I think we have a lot of interesting people, but I don't know if we're going to have people uh, losing their uh, th- losing their S, a la Gary Busey, a la Meatloaf, uh, a la, you know, uh, Star Jones even last season. Yeah, it, it, it does seem... Um... And much, much to the detriment of the women, I think it, it seems like most of them have their heads screwed on straight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> except for the one exception of this Aubrey O'Day, who could be my, my favorite of this early Apprentice season. Yeah, well, Aubrey's a little delusional. <laughs> Slightly, uh, or, or, Aubrey's a lot delusional because, quite frankly, she thinks she's famous. Yeah, and uh, I will, in fairness, in fairness, when she said. Aubrey from Danity Kane, I knew who she was. Ooh. I did know she I would when when it was just Aubrey O'Day, I had no clue. Yeah. Then said Aubrey, Oh, I, I'm from I'm from Danity Kane. Oh, okay, because it's another reality show and and I I've watched it from time to time. And so, you have a lot of street cred. Yeah, well, at least I knew who she was at that point, but I, I certainly would never have picked her out of a lineup. She's changed her hair color and everything. All right. But you know, you're not all that. <laughs> You were you were a part of, you were part of a quartet that Diddy put together, and, uh, and do you like Diddy? I'm not going to answer that question. Not <laughs> D- Donald Trump Donald Trump likes Diddy. <laughs> you know what? I like I like Diddy as when when he hosted his own show, his his Apprentice uh, knockoff, which was I want to work for Diddy. I found him to be very entertaining because he got he got all his people into the, into his boardroom. Uh, one at a time, and just acted crazy, just to see how they would react, and, and that was hilarious to me because he didn't take the show seriously at all from that standpoint, and he didn't care about these people at all. He was just like, yeah. uh, "Okay, I just want to know, uh, can you get me a cup of coffee?" Okay, thank you. Okay, you're done. Like what? That's it? Yeah, that's the interview. Okay. okay. Did you like the coffee? And he take the sip of the coffee. I hate this coffee. Get me another cup of coffee. <laughs> he, just go, he just go off on them. Like, okay, you're done. You take a sip. Yeah. No, I hate this coffee. I want to just to play with them. He was just jerking them around, and, and it was great. It was fun. He was just having fun with it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like Diddy uh, as far as you know. His, his music is not necessarily the best rap music out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not my first choice to to make it to the Rap Hall of Fame by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I I still all uh, all I have to do is direct your attention to the uh, video for the song. Uh, I believe it was called One, One, <laughs> One, 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 One. That was the lyric. I was just like, okay, that's that. You know, you know, that's not exactly music to me, but okay, hey, teaches up. Yeah, were you a bigger Mace fan? Uh, I I was a little bit bigger uh, of a Mace fan. I, I'd say I I go back though. I go back to the Wu Tang and and and, Whoa. and Run DMC, like you know. You know, I got I got to stick with my queens, my queens uh, posse, DMC, because <laughs> they used to hang out at the video arcade uh, a block from my house. Wow. Yeah. So you know, you couldn't you couldn't get too close to them because you know they were famous and had bodyguards and stuff. But uh, 
they were playing at the same Galaga I was. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, um, all right, so... You know, this weekend uh, coming up, uh, you know, of course we have the Celebrity Apprentice on uh, Sunday night, but uh, we also have uh, the Oscars are, are coming up, and I wanted to get your opinion. Now, it is this Sunday, right? I am not uh, misinformed here. Uh, I, you know what? I, I couldn't tell you for <laughs> sure, but... Let's operate under the assumption that the Oscars are this weekend. Okay, Sunday, and... February 26th. Yes, it is the Oscars. Okay, so uh, I know that you, uh, you know, spend a lot of your time when you're not watching reality TV or playing uh, Galaga with Run DMC or uh, any of the other number of uh, interests that you have, uh, that you uh, operate in the world of statistical analysis of, uh, of sports statistics uh, for your work at ESPN. So uh, one of the movies that is getting a lot of buzz here is this uh, Moneyball uh, here and I wanted to uh, sort of get your take on uh, whether Moneyball is is Moneyball being overhyped or do you think that uh, Moneyball has earned all of the accolades that it is receiving at this point? Well, in fairness, I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't seen I haven't seen most movies uh, because I have a seven-year-old and babysitters are expensive so, <laughs> and, uh, uh, most of the movies i don't see for a few years just because i just don't get around to it um my my take on on moneyball just from what i've heard uh, is that it's probably getting a lot more hype than it probably deserves mm-hmm. um you know it, it the story in and of itself is not i don't know to, to be like we're talking about a team that didn't ultimately win Mm-hmm. right it, it's based on a true story i'm not spoiling anything it's a true story no spoilers go, here yeah i was like and, and i haven't seen it yet but you know they didn't re- they didn't win uh the, the the ultimately i mean they did very well um and it is it is it is a story that the book itself is you know it's about the math and it's about the new the new statistical analysis and, and quite frankly that can be dreadfully dull uh so i'm sure the fact that it's getting the the accolades it is is probably a testament to the fact that brad pitt does a pretty good job of acting and uh you know you know any film with with philip seymour hoffman even in a small role is is, is even as art Howe. even as art Howe. yes <laughs> i wonder if philip seymour hoffman will be moving along to the new york mets later <laughs> in a few years to take his run at managing the oh, team. He, he's battling oh lord but uh you know I, you know you know the it, it's a legit movie i mean mm-hmm. you know you look at the cast i mean i'm not, I'm not gonna poo-poo it uh i'm sure it's well done but i, I don't necessarily see it as as a best picture Right. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Well, uh, aside from the actual movie of Moneyball and whether the movie itself is overvalued, do you think that the Oakland A's winning, tw- was it 20 or 21 games in a row? Was it 20? Uh, I don't remember. Either exactly. way. Okay, so they won was, a lot of games. It was ga- a lot. They won for a long time. They won stretch. a lot of games in a row, and, and that's really becomes like the big uh, story in the third act of the movie is them trying to win, uh, break this record. And they won the 20 games in a row or, or whatever. And again, this is not a spoiler. This is what really happened. So do you think, was this just a statistical anomaly or was there some, is there some credence to the work that Billy Bean and his team uh, did with uh, Jonah Hill or Paul DePodesta? Uh, is 20, winning 20 games in a row, just, is it just, is it a pure coincidence or uh, coincidence isn't the right word but is it just like a you know an outlier or is this some uh demonstration of that this was the an amazing team no i i think it 
it, it was a different way of of evaluating talent that that just hadn't been done before. And it, whether in the real world or or in fantasy sports, which is what I do, um, you know, so many people are hung up on the same. Uh, ancient statistics of, you know, you know, a guy hits 40 home runs, like, wow, he's a home run hitter. I need a home run hitter in my lineup. He, he, he had 40 home runs. He must be good at it. Um, you know, there's more to it than that. There's underlying skills. Not, not that they didn't, you know, not, not that uh, baseball teams don't have people scouting, uh, you know, and, and looking for skills, but you know, when it comes to uh, success, you know, it's like people look at the numbers, like, well, the guy hit 300. The guy hit 40 home runs. He must be good. And, and that carries far more weight uh, with a lot of uh, general managers at the time when this movie uh, you know, takes place than other things. Things like, you know, how, how many pitches they, they hit out of the strike zone. You know, like, do they have a good you know, eye? For, you know, and, and there's statistics that can determine that. There's statistics that can determine, you know, how many home runs you hit versus how many fly balls you hit. You know, that's a more of a measure of power than just the number of home runs. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's 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 analytics that go into it that, uh, you know, people weren't using at the time. People, people were just saying the guy hit 30 home runs. He had hundred RBIs. He hit 300. He's an all-star. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you know, it, it, there are, there are other players who are being undervalued, uh, as a result of just not, and, and we're, and we're so hung up on round numbers too. Like, you know, a guy hits 30 home runs. He's a star a guy hits 29 home runs. Well, he didn't get to 30. He must not be good. You know, it's like mm-hmm. really one home run difference. And suddenly, you know, but we we do think that way, and 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 he was you know, the first. This was the first regime to actually look at it in a different way, uh, and because they were the only ones doing it that way, they pretty much had carte blanche to sign whoever they wanted, uh, and, and that's why it was successful. I think because you know it could have failed certainly, um, but their chances of success because they were the only ones doing it, and they were they were tapping into a pool of talent that was being. Uh, you know, untapped. I think that's why it was successful. Um, and you know, the twenty, you know, winning, winning so many games in a row. That I mean, that's that's probably an anomaly. I mean, would it would it have been any less successful if they had won eight, then lost one, then won eight, then lost two, then won eight? Yeah. Over the same time. No, but it, it's not a nice long streak with you know <laughs> without interruption. They made a very big deal in the movie about about this, and I just I remember when it happened. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah. They, I believe that they also called them the winningest team in baseball history. They they called them at one point, uh, it, like as talking about their accomplishments. And I felt like that was a little of a misleading quote to describe that uh, 2002 Oakland A's team. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. If if you combine that with the amount of money they spent, so dollar per win, perhaps. I and I, I don't know where they got the quote from, but I can see maybe there's like something like that. Well, you know, considering how much they spent in salary versus how many wins they got, they were they were successful. It, it, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they won more games than anyone else because they didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's an aspect of it that uh, that you 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 know again numbers you can twist numbers into whatever kind of thing you want and i think yeah. that's just a twist that's a twisting of the truth a little bit though it might not necessarily be a bald-faced lie <laughs> one last uh money ball uh point now billy bean has not uh the oakland days have not been to the playoffs i think since 2006 if i'm uh correct about this it's been a while so uh, now billy bean also has just been recently re-signed to a contract extension i believe through 2019 and my question for you aj is if the owner of the Oakland A's was operating under a money ball philosophy. 
Is Billy Bean an overvalued or undervalued commodity? Wow, that's pretty good. I would I would think he's probably valued about right. Um, because on the one hand, yeah, they, they haven't even finished above 500. I think they, they haven't just not made the playoffs. I think they don't, I don't think they finished above 500 since, uh, since like 2006. So on, on, from that standpoint, uh, you could say, well, maybe he's not getting the success, but from the other standpoint is he's developing, he's picking some really good players and, 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 you know, it's just a question of budget and the team every, every two, three years seems to just sell everybody off. Who's, who's, you know, so he develops the talent. Um, they don't quite gel to the level they did in the movie Moneyball. But, you know, then it's like, okay, well, these players who are making, you know, X amount of dollars now want to be making X plus a million amount of dollars, and we can't afford that, so let's sell them off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's done a really good job of at least keeping them competitive, considering he basically has to start from scratch every couple of years. Uh, you know, it, has, it hasn't bottomed out. Okay, fair, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like he's that I can't help but, you know, separate or try to separate the Oscar buzz from the actual man. And I feel like uh, that he's being a little inflated by the success of the movie as opposed to the on-field results. Uh, I, you know, maybe that's fair. Maybe that's yeah. fair. I mean, I, I think to the general public who probably never heard of him uh, <laughs> I before so. the movie came out, you know, and, and, and think he, you know, now when they hear the name, they think Brad Pitt. So I think he's probably overvalued in that department. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'd like, yeah, I'd like Brad Pitt to play me in the movie. Absolutely. No, I would not like this because I don't want people to run into me and say, oh, oh man, I thought you were going to look like Brad Pitt. I, well, but- I want somebody who is uh, much worse looking than me to play me in the movie, who's a great actor. And then they meet me. Oh, like, oh, you're you're even better looking than the guy in the movie. Yeah, but odds are you're going to get Andy Samberg. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll t- I'll take it. It'll be a funnier movie. Uh, all right, uh, let me let me bounce around a little bit here. I had a couple of quick topics I wanted to hit on uh, with you, uh, AJ. I know you are uh, very active on social media and a uh, a, a long suffering Mets fan. Uh, what was your take on uh, Sandy Alderson's uh, recent foray into Twitter? And uh, did you find his tone to be inappropriate? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's on the one hand, it, it's I think it's it's a good thing for communication uh, to take place between management and, and the public. And, and he he's answering a lot of questions. Um, so I, I think I like that. Uh, it, it seems to be a bit more of an openness and embracing uh, the whole you know, involvement of the fans. And, and I think it's something that the Mets have to do, especially because they, they, they're also in a, in a budget cut to the whole Madoff scandal that uh, they can't really sign people. They got to go with a bunch of young people. And uh, so, I mean, you know, open line of communication. I like it. Uh, you know, do I personally care? Am I following it? No. Um, I, I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, it, it's a good idea. I, I think it's, it's a work in progress. You know, uh, as he gets more used to it, I think he'll, uh, He'll be a little bit better at it, a little bit more. <laughs> you were not offended when he said he was taking up a collection to get gas money to get down to Florida? No, no, <laughs> because it's because it's the truth of the situation. Yeah. On, on some levels, I mean, you know, it, 
in, in a perfect world, they they would have already signed David Wright to a new extension, and, right. and Jose Reyes would probably still be in the fold, and mm-hmm. maybe they even have kept Beltran. So it, it, it's like it, it's the truth, and I, I I think for me, I'd rather have someone who's not hiding that fact and who's willing to joke about it. Yeah, a little bit. I, you know, I, I I don't have a problem with it. I think he's. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just as long as he doesn't cross any lines and and and, and like you know betray any confidences. Like you right. know, if he if he tweets, "Hey, we're cutting David Wright tomorrow," and hasn't told <laughs> David, uh, that now we're we're abusing the. Uh... <laughs> what if that tweet came on April first? Well, I still think he'd probably be in a little bit of hot water there. And, and, <laughs> He's like, it know, was and, a joke. Come on. Yeah, but probably the New York media probably not so uh, <laughs> understanding. Even given the calendar date, yes. Again, <laughs> yeah. he probably still should have told David about it first. Right. Hey, David, I'm taking this joke. I'm going to tweet this. Ha ha. Be ready for it. <laughs> Be ready. Because I think that Sandy Alderson, I think, is a little frustrated. I think that uh, this situation turned out to be worse than he originally bargained for. And I think he's uh, expressing some of his frustration uh, in the media. And I think that's, that's a way of doing it, um, which uh, I can certainly understand. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's you get hired for a job, and you have certain expectations, and then you get in there, and it's like, oh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we don't have any money for you to actually sign any of these players, uh, or or to actually get the players you want. So you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, to me, to me, it's it's to tie it back. Let's tie it all back together here, right? It's it's kind of like you go on Survivor. And you're you're excited. You're you're there. You're sitting on the mat. You get you, oh, it's Jeff Probst. Great. All right, here we go. But there's two more contestants coming in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I think it's that same kind of kind of like uh, uh All right, I got to make the best of it. You know, this this is what it is. I I don't get a chance to come back next year instead. <laughs> it's like yeah. Okay, here's Boston Rob. Great. You know, so I think it's that same sort of thing. It's it, it's. It's, you have to you have to deal with it, and and if, if this is the way he's dealing with it, that's great. I mean, you know, in the end, it all comes down to what the team does on the field, and uh, we can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of uh, Mets tightening the belts, uh, Reyes down in Florida. Do, what do you expect out of Jose Reyes in Miami this year? I mean, I I don't know, and the reason I don't know is simply because they're they've moving into a new ballpark, and one of the things you can never predict is, as we now know with City Field, is this you don't know what the ballpark's going to have uh, an impact on, on on the players because you don't know how the park until you actually play games, you don't know how the park's going to play, and you know everyone thought that uh, you know David Wright would be a much better home run hitter in a new ballpark, you know you, you put the wind the wind patterns are actually reversed. Uh, from the old ballpark because of where they built it on site. Uh, and so actually, you know, the ball should be flying out a little bit more for him, but it, it's not. And so now they've moved the fences in. So, you know, but you never know. So I don't know how that park's going to play. I don't know if it's going to be a pitcher's park. I don't know if it's going to be a hitter's park. Uh, that's a huge, that's a huge X factor that, that, you know, a guy plays 81 games in a park. And if it suddenly plays against his strengths, then I don't know if he's going to be on base as much. The steals will be down. Um, you know, I, I, I think you, you still don't know how the chemistry is going to work there with, you know, Hanley Ramirez not wanting to move to third base and having to move to third base and, you know, new manager. It's, it, it's, it's really a, it's a conundrum in terms of picking. I mean, do I think he had a career year last year because it was a contract year and, and you know, he's not going to try hard? No, I, I don't buy into that at all. I mean, a lot of people have said, well, of course he played well last year. He knew he was playing for free agency. I, I don't I don't buy that. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think the ballpark. And and chemistry in the in the dugout is gonna 
you know, concern me a little bit more than, you know, he's still Jose Reyes. If he wants, if, if all goes well, he should steal 60 to 70 bases. And that's what, you know, hit, you know, 300. And that's what you expect out of him. Any, anything more is gravy. Yeah. The, with the Jose Reyes thing down in Miami, I think the first time he comes to City Field and hits a triple, you're going to feel really bad. But the first time he goes on the disabled list, you're going to feel uh, really good. Yeah, and and that's with that's with any player who's you know been a part of your team for a long period of time and then goes somewhere else. Um, you know, uh, I I can't blame him for doing it. He wasn't going to get that money here. Uh, it's not you know it, it it's not like I expected him to give us a hometown discount. It's, you know, it's like right, right. Players have players have the right. They've he's earned free agency, and you know it's not. He didn't pull a Manny Ramirez and just stop playing for 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 a month so that you know the team wouldn't resign him or forced to trade him. You know, as he he played, he had a great year, and he got his money elsewhere. That that that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um. You know, I was going to uh, delve into a little bit of Lin Sanity. I know you're a big uh, New York sports fan, but I feel like that could be a whole another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and I, uh, neither one of us has a problem uh, yapping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so instead of instead of going too far off the uh, with uh, Lynn, let me uh, ask you one last question. I know from your book you are a big Star Wars fan. Uh, did you take your son to go see Episode One in 3D, or are you going to show the Star Wars movies to your son in the original re- release order? Uh, when, when the time comes and he shows an interest, uh, he will be watching it in, uh, he'll be watching the, uh, New Hope first, uh, Empire and then, and then Jedi and then we're stopping. <laughs> wow. Bold move. Th- th- then we're stopping the, <laughs> those first three stories didn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't, what if he shows an interest in wanting to know the backstory of how Anakin Skywalker, uh, came to the dark side? Well, he's not going to have to do it without the me. I, I just, I just, that was, that was one of the worst, worst movie going experiences of my life. Yeah. And, and, uh, no, it, it's not it, offensive on so many levels. I am not going anywhere near to the Jar Jar Binks, uh, era of films that just, no. So you, no. Did, you weren't even curious to see the lightsaber fight in 3D? No, I yeah, the you know the Darth Maul thing was 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 interesting for about five minutes, but by then I was already so appalled at, at everything that had come come before that you know it, it was you know I, I I actually was one of these people who uh, got tickets to like like one of those early morning I think I saw it at six a.m. Wow, a friend of mine got tickets, so like the the day the day it came out, we were there, and you know the theaters opened way early in the morning. We all we played hooky from work, and we went. It was it was great, and. You know the excitement of the theater was phen- phenomenal, and you know everyone there at that hour is someone who was a fan of the original movie. You didn't have kids uh, at that at that hour, uh, and you know when 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 you saw the, the 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 crawl of the letters across the screen, everyone got excited. You heard the music, and then the the fade up from you know the the pan up from the starry background to the black, and we're like, oh yes, this is exactly, and everyone's spine was tingling, and then. Okay. We will work for the Trade Federation. Oh, oh what? Huh? And like, yeah, let us let it, you know, just offensive accents, and you're, you're explaining, uh, okay, okay, economic history of the galaxy, and oh man, it's like really, and then and then and then this Roger Rabbit cast off. Please, Mr. Eddie. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it was just oh, it was just awful, 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 awful. Okay. So no, he shall not be watching. Nay, nay, 
shan't be watching those films. But I have no problem with the originals, uh, the original series. Uh, but when it comes to to to, to uh, Phantom Menace and those, these aren't the films you're looking for. <laughs> okay, well, well done. Now I'm actually in a uh, fantasy pod racing league, and I was going to ask your uh, <laughs> for some of your advice, but I'll have to go elsewhere. Let the Wookiee win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> good stuff all right aj th- uh thank you so much this is always fun to uh talk with you uh who i know we didn't get into the am- amazing race at all uh because uh i know you said you didn't want to watch any more brenchel than you had to nobody better get between me and my man <laughs> no, thank you. i'll pass <laughs> okay well, I know you're about to get into your your very busy season. You've got everything coming up with uh, fantasy baseball on uh, ESPN.com. Uh, you're working on anything uh, in particular that you want to point people to? Well, you know, we just released our draft kit this past week, so uh, I got like six articles in there on you know evaluating points league, uh, evaluating a new way to look at pitchers' win totals and and uh, negative batting average. So if if you look at all. Uh, the draft kit stuff, uh, ESPN.com slash fantasy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there, and you can find me on Twitter. It's very simple. It's at AJ Mass. And, you know, check out the book if you haven't given it a look-see, How Fantasy Sports Explains the World. And maybe uh, maybe I can come on back when they get to 12, because that seems to be uh, the perfect <laughs> time to, to map out the personalities and see if uh, form holds true for yet another season. Uh, and if anything, uh, if we have any luck, then maybe there'll be 12 left on Celebrity Apprentice as well. Maybe, but I, I think I'm going to fire three of you this week just because I had a ham sandwich for lunch. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, we are looking forward to AJ. Thank you so much, okay? Thanks, Rob. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Shifting gears uh, just a little bit, we are going to check in with Eric Nelson. Uh, he is the winner of the Rob Has a Podcast Fantasy Football Pick'em that we did. We had about uh, 65 people playing with us, picking the games every week, and he was the winner. And we had said back in the fall that whoever won was going to appear on Rob as a podcast and talk about how they did it. So let's go ahead and get Eric Nelson on the line. Hello, is this Eric Nelson? It is Eric Nelson. Is this Rob Sesternino? Yes, it is. Eric, uh, how the hell are you? Really good. I'm really good this morning. My spring break started, which is really early. So it's nice to not have school for a week. Eric, well, first off, let me say congratulations for being the uh, Rob has a pick'em league uh, fantasy uh, or not even fantasy actual uh, picking the games with the spread champion. Uh, how how big was your margin of victory? Um, I think it was by like three or four wins. Wow. There was one point in the middle of the season. I was actually ranked third like in the nation on ES or no, it was seventh. I think I think it was seventh in the nation on ESPN. It was like during week 10 and after all the morning games, I like predicted all the games. Right. And I was like, Oh wow. I actually have a chance at like the like $1,500 like best buy gift card. But then after like week 11 or something, it was like Thanksgiving. I kind of took a stumble from there. All right. So how are you doing this? How are you picking all of these games so correctly? Um, the really, the main thing I kind of look at is how does the offense move the ball? And then what is the defense good at? So I'm going to, I'm going to use my team, the 49ers as an example. So the 49ers really move the ball with the run game. And then once when they've kind of established a run game, Alex Smith is able to have like more time to pass the ball. 
But if they're going up a team like, let's say, the Ravens, which is really good at stopping the run, that's kind of when I'm adamant about like choosing the Niners to win by like a huge victory. Mm-hmm. Wow. So like, it's really kind of looking at like, how is the offense going to move the ball? Can the defense stop it? And kind of looking at both teams from there. And then I also kind of sometimes take into consideration if it's a division game, yeah. because usually there's more emotion in that. So when it was like, I don't know what type of game, like the Cardinals and the 49ers, like normally the 49ers would kill in those games. But like, especially like in week 16 too, when like the Cardinals are kind of out of it and they kind of want to stop the Niners from getting the number two seed, like they're, they were going to do anything. So actually, I'm pretty sure I picked the Cardinals to like, not lose by like 10 points and they ended up winning that game okay so well that you threw me off i was with you and then you threw, threw me off with that last uh explanation but uh, okay, I, like, I, I think you know i know what you're I mean? saying like with like division games like usually like the teams kind of like they have more emotion and like you know they have more to play for because they're playing team like rivalries yeah okay does that kind of make sense there i hear you they really they hate the other team and they want to stop them it's like the Jets and Patriots. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. So I, yeah. So like usually when I was at the computer though, I was only thinking about each game for like two or three minutes and then making a decision. But that's a long time because there's 16 games. If you're giving two minutes or three minutes of thought to each game, uh, you were spending a, a good uh, over half an hour each week coming and, up well, with your sheet. I mean, some of the times like... I would just be like daydreaming in class and be like, oh, like I wonder who's going to win this Oh, game. so you were in <laughs> class and that's how you had so much time to devote to the ch- championship. You make it seem like I spent so much time on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think I went through my sheet. Uh, I think I spent uh, two minutes and 30 seconds tops going through, uh, going down the line. I mean, there would be some games that I'd be like, oh, yeah, like the Packers are going to win by like seven points or, you know what I mean? Like there'd be some games I'd be like, oh, there's no question here. Wow. Well, this is but, a, I'm very impressed because uh, you're a young guy. You're in you're a college student. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are people who are who are playing this who are like, you know, picking games for, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah. The thing is, is I guess I've been exposed to football a lot. Um, I actually Start. My dad enjoy, let me join his fantasy football league when I was 12 years old. So that was a little young. So I've been playing fantasy football for like nine or 10 years now. Yeah. So I like to say I'm an experience. And even when I was like 11 and like that was when I was first exposed and I was like kind of helping my dad like make pickups and all that. And then he's like, oh, you should just like join the league. So I was like a 12 year old with like a bunch of like 30, 40 year olds in the league. Wow. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So you grew up around uh, picking the games and now uh, now look at you. You're the Rob has a podcast uh, pigskin pick'em champion. I know it's a big honor. Well, now I think it would only be fair if you talked some smack. Now, uh, did you have any smack you wanted to say to the rest of the people who played against you and were uh, unvictorious? Um, I don't know. See, I kind of did this. Like, so you know, I am an intern for Rob has a podcast. In case any of the listeners don't know, and then I'm usually in charge of looking up the like RHAP hashtag on Twitter. And then when I was doing my homework, there was one person who was actually like, oh, I'm only like two points away from the lead. And I'm like, oh, this is like kind of funny. I'm like looking this up. So then I think I sent a tweet back to him like uh, no chance but or something like that. Yeah. And then I don't know. I guess he didn't win. And he said he was really close the whole time. So he was good. But well, sucks, do, I guess. Do you, <laughs> yeah. 
Very well done. Uh, do you have any guarantees you want to make of going back to back? What? Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was decent. Like in the middle there, in those middle weeks, I was up by like seven or eight games. So I was like, "Oh, I got this. I got this." And Thanksgiving was just like the killer week for me. Yeah, everybody so has a bad week. I, it's competitive, and like the football season's always like changing. Like you know what I mean? Like the Broncos winning the. AFC West, like no, who predicted that? Like, oh, no, like a lot of Tebow fans. Yeah, <laughs> they all Except predicted I, that. The one thing I was really happy is that I actually predicted like the first few wins that Tebow got. So I kind of predicted the Tebow streak starting. Yeah. Okay. Well, well done. You are the Nostradamus of a uh, football, and uh, <laughs> I mean, you should you should start up a Twitter as being the the football prognosticator. Probably need uh, a better name than many- that. <laughs> I mean, I do have a Twitter right now, but I like rare. I only use it to like Twitter stock uh, people like Survivor contestants, and then oh. I'm also a huge uh, Sharks fan for hockey, so I'll stock some of those players too. Oh, stock! Uh, I thought you were saying you were <laughs> tweeting about stocks. I said, Erica, what's oh, next? No, no, you're going to no, tell no, us no, that no, you're no. like an investment banker and, no. and you're picking no, the winners no. on on the stock market as well. No, I mean, like, you know, like Facebook stalking. Yeah. Twitter no, I get stalking. it. I get it. Yeah. You're a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that sounds really bad. But look, yeah, people should be stalking you trying to get football tips. I think people, people how much money would people have made if they would have uh, bet what you said on every game this year? I don't know. I mean, four million dollars. It'd be maybe we'll maybe we'll go with like four point five. What million. was your winning percentage? Do you know? I have no idea. It did not tell me. I want to assume it's around like 60 to 70 percent. For You would have made like, a lot of money. Yeah. And also, the, I don't know if people know the thing with spreading, with spread picking is that you don't just predict who's going to win the game. You have to predict by like, like, can the Packers beat the Bears by like 10 and a half points? Yeah. So like you definitely have to kind of think like how the score is going to turn out and all that. It's not just like kind of randomly picking who's gonna yeah, win so you were your name was uh crab people right yes that's <laughs> always been my fantasy like football team name and all that it's a south park reference in case anyone watches south <laughs> yeah, park and you finished in the 99th percentile of uh espn.com players uh mm-hmm. and so i i don't know out of all the games in the season uh i guess each team is 32 teams and they each play uh 16 games is that going to give us or they is that going to give us the right answer it's nothing more exciting yeah. than doing math on a podcast. Oh, uh, God. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you got a hundred and be the worst podcast ever, Rob. <laughs> I don't want to do math on this. Okay, I'm on spring break. You're. I was. We were on a break. Um, yeah. Okay. So if there's 32 teams and they each play 16 games, uh, and then uh, actually, uh, then they play against each other. So, uh, so I guess out of 256 potential games, you got 143 right. Uh, I think okay. that that sounds right. So one yeah, that sounds about right. One forty three out of two fifty six. That's a pretty good uh, a pretty good winning percentage there. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, look at you. So one, the Jets could have used that. Uh, Eric, I, I will I will sorry. hang up the phone right now. Yeah, that you. I'm all, sorry, Rob. You, uh, and I was never really a Jets like person to pick because I was always at the beginning of the season. I was always comparing to you because I'm like, as long as I don't win, I just want to beat Rob. And you would always be picking the Jets, and I'm like, no. All right, all right. Well, Sorry, Rob. This, this has taken an, uh, an awful turn. Yeah. Uh, according to my very quick calculations, I think that, so 
you picked uh, 56% of the games uh, right. Oh, that's not as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> well, again, uh, we could there could be some uh, screwed up math on this, but uh, even picking fifty six percent of the games right, that's you're making you're making money. That is true. I think it's hard maybe to I do. Should, maybe I should go to Vegas sometime. <laughs> you should. All right, Eric. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on your win, and uh, we will look for you to reign again as champion in the fall. I'll definitely try and hopefully more people sign up for the Pick'em League next year, guys. Yeah, we really sort of threw it together at the last minute and a lot of people joined. I think I just posted it on Facebook. Hey, let's play Pick'em and we'll have the winner on the podcast. So I'm sure I have no doubt if we promote it, we'll have, you know, uh, you know, three or four hundred people uh, getting in on this. Especially if my Twitter starts getting a lot of follows now. Well, especially after this, <laughs> after this. Hey, you want to give your Twitter? You want people to follow you? Uh... I think it's just like at Eric Nelson or something oh, like that. Eric with a K. Yes. Yes. That's where it gets tricky. All right. Eric, yeah. thanks so much. Take care, buddy. All right. Thanks, Rob. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. Eric Nelson, the winner of uh, Rob Has a Pick'em League. So uh, that'll do it for this uh, very sports-themed podcast with uh, AJ Mass and uh, Eric Nelson, our football champion. Join us as we are ready to do it all over again next week when we have uh, Celebrity Apprentice coming up on Monday. We've got uh, Rob has a web show on Wednesday, and then we will be coming to you with all of our Survivor podcasts on Thursday with the next person kicked off. And, of course, we'll be back with our regular Survivor podcast talking with Sandra Diaz-Twine and Kobe. So that is going to be a lot of fun. And also uh, check back over the weekend when uh, our bloggers are going to be weighing in with all of uh, the Survivor uh, analysis. So until next time, everybody, take care, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.